0: Everybody, feel all right tonight? Am I going to be able to jump out there and get wild with you guys or what? Man? <laughs> we'll see. Here we go. Sky in my
1: Hi, this is Mark Wasserman. Welcome to the Ska Boom podcast, which is the audio companion to my forthcoming book, Ska Boom, an American Ska and Reggae Oral History, which will be published in early 2021. On this episode, I focus on the story behind the 1990 live compilation album, NYC Ska Live. It's hard to believe it's been 30 years since it was recorded and released. The NYC Ska Live concert was originally organized by Moon Records, so that the crop of bands then on the NYC ska scene could be filmed by director Joe Massett for New York City Ska Craze, a planned sequel to his two-tone era film Dance Craze that was released in 1981. The show was taped live at the Cat Club, which was located on 13th Street and 4th Avenue in Manhattan on March 26, 1990. The dawn of the 90s New York City ska scene marked by the release of the Toaster's third full-length album, This Gun for Hire, the first without co frontmen Sean Dinsmore and Lionel Bernard, who had left and signed a record deal as a Unity 2, and the New York Citizen's seminal Stranger Things Have Happened EP, which, it can be argued, was the first American ska album to feature ska core. Don't believe me? Give Helltown a listen. Nearly five years on from the release of the New York Beat Hit and Run comp, which captured the sound of mid-'80s New York City ska, NYC Ska Live documents the evolution of New York City ska into a diverse, post-two-tone mix of sounds with more of an emphasis on roots reggae, traditional ska, rock steady, and dancehall reggae. While the toasters of the New York Citizens are evolving sound-wise, newer bands, including my band Bigger Thomas, King Django's post-boilers band Skinnerbox, the Steadies, Ska Danks, and Long Island Ska Flaws all offer their unique takes on American ska at the start of the 1990s. So how does the album stand up? Pretty good, actually, given it's a live album. 30 years on, I'm still struck at how great both the Steady's and Skodank sound. The Steady's songs in particular are well-crafted and have an amazing energy. Check out Just Reflection from the album.
0: Feeling tonight. Come on, what are you? All right, we're at the Cat Club, man. Everybody ready? Yeah. This song is called Just Just Reflection. Yeah.
1: Starting out just a few months after my own band, Bigger Thomas, I remember the Steadies fondly for their youthful enthusiasm, solid musicianship, and friendly manner, which was a bit unusual, as there was always a bit of a rivalry between New York City ska bands. We shared a few stages together, and I was convinced at the time that they would be huge. Like many of the first wave of ska bands that helped establish the New York scene in the early and mid-80s, most of the members of the Steadies were still in their teens when they started playing out. Check out their other song from the comp, All You Can Stand. This
2: is all you can stand.
1: The band was founded by 17-year-old Rob Gainfort in early 1989. After being told by Rob Bucket Hingley of the Toasters that he was too young to audition as a lead singer to replace the Unity 2, Gainfort was inspired to start his own band. In short order, he pulled together a band of young Scott enthusiasts. Having caught the attention of Hingley, Gainfort and the Steady scored some early big shows that helped them build a following quickly, and they impressed at the recording for the comp. Sadly, they did not fulfill their promise, breaking up shortly afterwards. The other band that stood out for me that night was Scott Inks, who had been blazing their own path in and outside the New York City ska scene.
2: I I remember thinking that it's going to be great that they're going to multi-track record this thing and make a movie out of it. We're doing it for the movie. Fuck it. Because you know what? Our art, our music, we're we're proud of the band right now and we're playing all the time. You know, we're 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 in the rehearsal studio Even Whether we're gigging or not, we're in the rehearsal studio minimum twice, most of the time, three times a week at Giant, in a sweatbox, working it out. We have a ton of material and a whole bunch of covers that we now play and dance hall rhythms and all these different new influences. And we're starting to mess around with other technology and, and uh, you know, keyboard bass and different. You know, we're starting to emulate even other, you know, dancehall influences.
1: That's Ricky Tepperberg, the keyboardist of the Skadanks, who are featured in my book. Skadanks were beginning to mix hardcore dancehall, reggae, and hip hop into their sound, and were fronted by one rocker T, who had become a Rasta and wanted to explore the sound and culture of what was happening at that moment in time in Jamaican music. Scott Anx saw being part of the comp as an opportunity to connect with a more traditional New York City Ska audience while still embracing the sounds of dancehall. What I remember about the whole New York City Ska Live experience was the amount of planning that went into the filming of the show and recording of the accompanying soundtrack. My bigger Thomas Bandmates and I traveled from New Jersey to attend a meeting at Moon Records headquarters in the East Village in New York, where the details about the filming were discussed. We were also presented with waivers and release forms, as well as contracts, which we signed, with a certain amount of excitement. Hingley explained that Ian Massett had plans to distribute the film widely around the world, and that with Ska breaking out in the U.S., the finished movie was expected to be exhibited at film festivals and possibly have a theatrical release. We left the meeting expecting big things. Unfortunately, all did not go according to plan. For reasons that remain unclear, Massett pulled out of filming the show at the last moment, and after Moon Records had gone to the trouble of putting together the bill and the expense of hiring a remote soundtrack to record the show. There was a rumor that Massett bailed after skinheads attacked one of his cameramen and equipment was damaged while they were trying to film a New York Citizen's show at CBGB's. Nevertheless, Moon Records did mix and release the 14-track album later in 1990. Though the artwork isn't great, the sounds captured on the vinyl and magnetic tape still sound pretty fresh, though my one complaint is the annoying crowd sounds that were dropped in during post-production. I have mostly fond memories about the whole experience. Though we no longer had to deal with cameras in our faces on stage, there was still a very large crowd on hand, attracted by the chance to be in a movie. Tepperberg remembered that the crowd at the Cat Club was ready to be entertained. feeling of excitement and relative unity for these bands while we were disappointed that the filming had been canceled, we were still excited to be included on the record. We had only been together a mere 18 months at this point, so it was an amazing opportunity for us. As the openers for the whole show, there was added pressure to come out blazing, and we did our best, performing Moving and Ska in My Pocket, the two songs we felt best captured our sound at that time. Thank you.
0: Hold on, what I got? The pressure's on and it's about to drop. Oh yeah, I wanna turn it up. I wanna make it stop. Yeah. I'm moving sideways.
1: The only issue was that our original guitar player, Steve Parker, had all sorts of technical problems with his amp and effects pedals during the recording. This required us to play the song Moving Twice. Technical problems continued during the second take, requiring that the whole intro to the song be cut from the actual finished recording. This was a disappointment. Skadanks decided to write a new ska song for the show, hoping it would connect with the crowd. Tepperberg shared the band's thinking about which song to play.
2: You know, but... W- I've been through it before, so are we going to... And we're recording, you know, we're working on material. Are we going to give... What do we give them for this record? One of our old tracks that we recorded back in the day. Now we say, you know what? We, We should give them one song that's a real New York ska. Because that's what this is supposed to be. We should really... You know, really a real New York ska, kinda, which is, you know, like, uh, kinda, I mean, how would you call it a, a, a New York ska? Two tone, where two tone hits a little, you know, a little rock and roll? I mean, right. you know, what, right? You know, our ska always had a little, a little something else in it, you know? Um so we're gonna make a song, a New York ska song. And that song came out just as it was as intended. We wrote that song together for the record, for the show, for the video. We thought we thought this was going to be good, intentionally thinking that it would mesh nicely with, if not every band, but the general vibe of what they were projecting. Like that was like us trying to work with the project. And that song is called Just Ska. you know. And Rocker T basically is just kind of he just kind of freestyles. You know, I'm here in my pork pie hat, and, you know, he's just talking about Rude Boys and New York Rude Boys.
1: Here's their song, Just Scott.
0: America!
2: like we felt we felt the vibe we felt the love we went on in the middle we were rehearsed we were ready like we were like and we played our song and then we played the Scott tune and i think like we really played it incredible and i think when we played the Scott tune we grabbed Everybody, we really did what we meant to do. We grabbed everybody's attention. Anybody that might have been like, no. Listen, there were people, you could think that, that ska kids are cool, but there were ska kids that'd be like, you know, that are dicks and purists about something and be like, no, you guys play hip hop now. So like, I don't, I'm, I don't like you. You're not, it's not ska. Like you're, like they were like, they were too, too, uh, exclusive for us. But we went out there and we did what we meant to do. We gave them the hook, you know, and we got everybody's attention and and the other musicians. And I remember looking out and people like not looking at us like like wanting to see us fail, like looking
1: at us like, wow, hey, guys, that was great. And it was great. And it was a sign that American ska was about to change and evolve in ways none of us could have expected. I hope you've enjoyed taking this look back at the story behind the making of NYC Ska Live. It's a shame that New York City ska craze wasn't filmed. It would have been a great document of a time in American ska that existed before the internet, cell phones, and YouTube. Sadly, the album remains long out of print, though I recently saw a copy for sale on eBay for $50. Unfortunately, it's very unlikely it will ever be reissued, but if you are a fan of American ska, then the record is worth searching for and a must have that captures the sound of NYC ska, just as ska scenes were breaking out all across the U.S. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to SkaBoom on whatever podcast platform you use. And please keep an eye out for my book, SkaBoom, that will be published in early 2021. Take care.